right, all right. Day 383. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so Psalm 70, right? We're ending or we're coming to the end of book two of the Psalms, right? So the Psalms is broken up into five books, and Psalm 70 is in book two towards the end and we have my man david again crying out for help right 69 we saw yesterday in psalm 69 he was crying out for help in this extended fashion here he's really terse right it's really urgent and quick and he has this sense of um hurry that he's asking god to have for his help, right? So we see this literary connection uh, in in Psalm 70 and in Psalm 69, many people have said, but also Psalm 70 uh, takes parts of Psalm 40, right? So if you go back and read Psalm 40 and Psalm 69, you'll see the connections there. However, this Psalm does something unique that I want to highlight, and it's this. So one of the major threads and themes that runs throughout the Bible is this phrase that you see everywhere regardless of what section of scripture you are in right and it's this god exalts the humble and he humbles the exalted i've said it on this podcast before but it's so important that it bears saying again god exalts the humble but he also humbles the exalted let's go to the psalm god hurry to rescue me lord hurry to help me let those who seek to kill me be disgraced and confounded let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated let those who say aha aha retreat because of their shame let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you let those who love your salvation continually say god is great i am oppressed and needy Hurry to me, God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. So David starts out calling on God to come. But don't just come, God. Come quick. Pull up. I need you. Where you at? Right? I need you to save me now. I need you not to tarry in your coming. Why? Look at what he says in verse 2 and 3. Right? Let those who seek to kill me. Let those who say, aha, aha. Right? So in other words, um, God, there are folks who want me dead (laughs) right there are those that have taken joy literally laughing and ridiculing as they seek to take my very life people want to kill god's king right they want him dead they are out for his blood and i think we read these psalms man in light of our own context which we should but our own context listen Our own context in reading these psalms must always be subservient to the original context of scripture, right? And so could you imagine, my question for you is this, could you imagine someone trying to literally take your life, right? Someone trying to kill you. And I don't want to assume who's in the audience and who's listening. Um, And some of us may have experienced that, but a lot of us can't, right? I know I can't. I couldn't imagine what I would be on if if I knew somebody wanted to kill me, right? The kind of confidence, listen, the kind of confidence in God's power, in God's hand, in God's might, he would have here to even believe saying these words to God are the most helpful thing in such this fatal circumstance 
says so much about David's faith. David is saying, God, I need you to save my life. And although, listen, and although we may not be exactly where David was here, many of us have felt as if we were, right? Many of us have felt as if we were, right? Many of us have felt as if life was suffocating us, as if it had its hands around our neck, like we won't make it, like we are hanging on by a thread. And the good news about this psalm is that it shows a God who cares, who hears, and who helps. David specific, specifically in this psalm asks that the Lord, um, that, that five things would take place with these guys who's trying to get him, right? He asked that they would be disgraced. He asked that they would be confounded. He asked that they would be humiliated. He asked that they'd retreat because of their shame. And all of the verbs he uses here in verses two to three come from this similar word group, right? And we're going to get back to my thesis earlier. They come from this similar word group and <laughs> and it has to do with humiliation and it has to do with shame, right? He's asking God to humble these cats who are coming against your folks, right? Humble the proud, God. And here and often in scripture, the proud are those that persecute and come against the humble, right? So he contrasts this very idea here. And he's going to talk about those who are proud and those who are persecuting the innocent, those who are persecuting God's people, those who are unjust, those who exalt themselves. And he's going to contrast that with the godly. Look at verse four, right? He says, let all the ones though, like, nah, all the ones who seek you, let them have joy. Let them be glad, God. Let them be rejoice. Let them hold on to their praise, right? And I wish I had time I wish I had time to talk about the way problems don't have to erode our praise, right? You can have joy in the midst of trying circumstances because your joy isn't tied to a circumstance, right? David is acquainted with these ideas here, and I think he wants them to be impressed upon us as well, right? David is asking for joy and Katz is trying to kill him. Amazing. Finally, he closes and ends the psalm the way he began, right? So he asked the Lord to hurry with his help. What's interesting about Psalm 70 is that the church has historically for 2000 years used this psalm to commemorate Jesus suffering on the cross, right? As one who was humiliated, publicly, literally taunted and ridiculed by his enemies, he is the one, the greater David, who didn't elude his enemies' grasp, right? And David praying, like, yo, God, don't let these folks kill me. Jesus had the folks kill him, right? His enemies killed him, right? However, though, however, right, God still came to the rescue of Christ. How? In the rewarding of him with new life, in the resurrection. And he will come again, right? Because uh, God raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says that Jesus will come again one day, not to, not to bear the curse and to bring salvation, but to bring judgment, 
the Bible says, right? In his return, he will judge the living and the dead and he will humiliate all of the enemies of God's people, namely Satan himself, as he puts all things under his feet. This idea of God exalting the humble and humbling the exalted is a thread that runs through scripture. Um, I call it, or it has been called by, uh, by many, the pattern of redemption. And the redemption and the work that Christ provides should be the framework that makes our lives make sense. The scoffers and ridiculers and persecutors won't have the last word but we serve the one who will. Let's pray. Father, we ask that we will remember that you um, oppose the proud, but exalt the humble God. We ask that we will remember Christ, the one who died for us, who humbled himself and took uh, the wrath that we all deserve, God, so that he would be exalted and we with him as we submit to the cross. Help us to remember this today as we face the suffocating problems of life that you and your son have the last word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.